0: are back with another pod for you all. Um, it is Paul and I talking you all through some FPL madness. We're in the midst of the festive fixtures. Um, Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Luke. I am very happy that Humane Son is a wonderful human being. I am <laughs> glad that he's very talented at football because he basically um, saved my FPL week. Yeah, you lucky ducky you. That's it, it definitely he's a good player to have. It makes sense, you know. I'm no no Some of us here. make good FPL decisions, so Some of us do. Some of us don't. But we can't be judged on those wrong decisions, can we? No, as long as your rationale is sound. It always seems sound. <laughs> There's always always a positive in there, but so um, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, Luke is still in the trenches with his FPL team. So hopefully this doesn't turn into too much of a therapy session for him. Do you all ever see um, when there's a massive snow drift, right? And it kind of avalanches and avalanches and then it momentarily stops. There's a moment of calm. I'm right there, but the avalanche is about to take off again <laughs> and just hope w- not drag me deep down like a stone in water. So, um, yeah, that, that got a little dark. We're, um, we're on the, we're on the rise. Luke. I, I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, I hope so. I feel good about my team going forward, but let me, let me, let me tell you. So me and Luke had a conversation probably like three weeks ago where I was like, you know, maybe he's just wildcard every week, every week you're having this discussion where you're upset or torn up about your team and you have the ability to change it. And I'm just holding on, man. I'm holding on until I feel like there's a good advantage to be had. So... We will get but there soon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there okay, soon though. Okay, you okay. know, it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. So um feeling good about it. You know, the rise will be meteoric is what it will be. Okay, sure. I totally one hundred percent believe you. That's good. That's good. Um All so, right, let's talk a little bit about the fixtures this weekend, Luke. Yeah. Um in the opening fixture we had Crystal Palace, Liverpool. Um big result there for FPL as Salah managed to get an assist and a goal. 13-pointer. A lot of people ended up vice-captaining him um, because Holland did not end up playing for Manchester City due to an injury to his foot. Which sucks. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one to swallow for sure. Um, and then on the Saturday fixtures for game week 16, some o- other notable results. Bournemouth 3, Manchester United 0. Um, huge result there. Uh, And then on top of that, Aston Villa won Arsenal nil. Um, A lot of the Arsenal assets blanked. And um, Aston Villa is looking really good right now. One of the, probably the most informed team right now in the Premier League, if I I had to say. I have a little bit of a take for you on Villa. All right. I think if you have a fully strengthened Arsenal team, City, Newcastle, and Spurs, I don't think Villa are in the top four, I'm being honest. Um, if if you take every team that we've seen so far this year and put them on their best day, which honestly we haven't seen City on their best day because their best is with Kevin De Bruyne and with him just pulling the strings and everything. But even like the best version of Newcastle this year, I think that version's better than Villa. Mhm. Yeah. Um, easily, I think the best version of Arsenal is still better than Villa, even though Villa were better on the day. There's no question about that. They absolutely were. I think there's something to be said though for them being better on that day because what that does is it proves that Villa have a high ceiling and they have the ability to dominate play against teams like City, teams like Arsenal. So the second half was very different though. I'm yeah, I'm not discarding that at all, but Villa yeah. were really good and I think no, they, they, were, they, they they deserved sure their were. flowers for how they played. Um but I think I think they were a little lucky. It happens, right? I mean, I mean a lot they, they of they obviously won, they beat Arsenal. They were a lot of these matches come down to a referee's decision or two. Um, and there's not much that we can do about that, right? It's just kind of how it happens, but we do have to remember that sometimes the ball bounces one way, another, right? There's not no, nothing I, to really be done, I, I especially in a one nil match. Don't tell me I, I totally get that, but I'm just saying that I you feel like on another day, Arsenal could have come out with three points, yeah yeah fair enough enough. I I totally get that um and then so moving on to Sunday which we are filming on Sunday December 10th um we have Everton 2-0 to Chelsea Fulham 5-0 to West Ham just a complete throttling we'll we'll get into Fulham more later on in the pod thank you Jedi Um, for that clean sheet though yeah, you got lucky. And then speaking of clean I got sheets, lucky. What the fuck are you talking about? No, you didn't. I didn't mean to say that. I was thinking of what I was going to say next. Um, so N- Tottenham 4, Newcastle 1. The biggest point here, outside of Sons' performance and Richarlison getting two goals, is Newcastle scoring a goal <laughs> at the death for no reason. It was completely unnecessary. Terrible ball by Hoybier and... Ends up with Joel Anton putting the ball yeah, in the back he, of the net. He had no no clue what he was doing there. Yeah, he should have just that, put it out of play. Just uh, put it out of bounds. Wiped off so many points for a lot of managers. Um, and really pretty impactful goal there, honestly. Um, another important thing from here is that Trippier is going to be suspended for next week. Um, so anyone o- holding or owning Trippier, you might want to either find a plan to keep him on your bench or maybe even move him on out of your team. Yeah. Um, so those are the impactful results from the weekend, but big weekend for FPL really. Um, low scoring, but if you had Salah and you had Son in your team, bravo because there's ninety five percent of your points right there possible. So um. yeah, yeah. Also, we have to shout out Chelsea heading toward the relegation zone. So <laughs> and let's can't wait to l- see it. We also need to shout out Everton, right? Yeah, they've made good. they've looked really good lately. Um, Sean Dyche has been playing very inspired football and it looks like the um, points deduction they received is kind of inspiring them and pushing them forward. So good for Everton. Um, You know, keep pushing out of that relegation zone, and honestly, I'm kind of happy to see him be doing well. I like Sean Dyche a lot. He's a good manager. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) You know Sean Dyche is. Yeah, so that's pretty much all the results from the weekend that were impactful for FPL, so we'll take a little break here. Um, come right back and then talk about some of our thoughts from the weekend and, um, everything going forward. All right, everybody. So we are back. We took a quick little break to kind of regroup and get ourselves together to give you the best version of this next segment we can. Um, quick question for you though. We're Mm going to, I know you said you want to ask me your questions, but I'll ask you a question first. Go for it. Tell the listeners what your favorite holiday movie is. Holiday movie. We were kind of um, talking about this last night with our roommate. So, it's I mean it's gotta be Elf for me. I think I think Elf is the it's the breadwinner. Um, the only problem is I've seen it too many times at this point. So, you think so? Not too many times, but I know every I still line. Laugh a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I do too, but I still know every line pretty much. It's coming up, and it'd be nice to just go back and watch that movie with fresh eyes. You know, I, that that would be a great Christmas present. It'd be really cool. Okay, I'll, I'll get on that. Be careful how you do it. <laughs> I'll, 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 yeah, I'll just bend space and time real quick for you. Okay, quick question to you, Paul. Have you picked out my Christmas present yet? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've not. Fraud. He's been cooked on the pod. How have I been cooked? I don't it's know. December 10th. I don't, okay, well, someone already picked out your Christmas present. Wait, All Maureen right. already got my gift for me? Get out of here, man. Not even yeah, funny. Not All right, my question to you. We're moving on. Who do you think has the highest XG by team over the last four game weeks? Bournemouth. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Is yeah, that something you looked up? No. I know you're a little slut for Bournemouth right now. <laughs> so Okay. So, I figured that's who it would be. Here's my secondary question to you. Who do you think has the highest XG over performance? As in their expected Full goals compared to their goals. Exactly. So Listen, I knew exactly where you're Fulham have 16 goals over the past four games. They've been annihilating teams. But what the underlying numbers show is they've been highly efficient to the point of being very much so outperforming their expected data. So they have an expected goals of 9.28, and they've scored 16, 16 I mean, goals. That's not crazy. That's crazy. That is I mean, crazy. I mean, it's a little crazy, but I mean, if you watch those games, like especially the one today, like they were just pounding them. Like, like it, it's not. It, sorry. Wow. For lack, Paul, lack of better term, keep it PG. There are kids. Who listen for, for lack, to lack of a better term, <laughs> but I mean, like, like the goals were flowing, and it was so easy for Fulham that it d- it didn't like five felt like it was probably low for that game. Okay, that that's fair. So there's, but I also, think there could be other matches. To, to your point. Sometimes XG does lie to us a little bit if you don't use your eyes watching the matches. That's just, fair. Just throwing that out there. I know, and I, I did watch the match as well, so I feel like yeah, you did. Even yes, didn't I did You really watch it. Yes, I was. You, I was watching. You did not watch it near as much as I did. Okay, that's fair. I was watching. Was the, we had three screens on, just so everybody knows. I was watching, and my thing here is that today it feels like they did dominate West Ham, but over the last four weeks, consistently producing the, that amount of goals. It's a lot. And my worry there is that people are going to migrate to Fulham. And Fulham do not have the easiest run of fixtures coming up. This right? is not, that's, that's very true. Um, they have Newcastle, Everton at home at Goodison Park, which is a difficult matchup. They have Burnley. They have Bournemouth. They have Arsenal. So two of the next five, actually three of the next five, I would not expect them to score a ton of goals. Burnley and Bournemouth that could happen but Bournemouth is one of the most in- informed teams in the league so I would just be careful about Fulham assets Paul let's go into your opinion what do you think about Fulham at this moment do you are they a buy are they a sell or a hold I don't know Luke. I, I think that if we look at the Newcastle fixture coming up that's one where I it it's really difficult because I mean Newcastle's so injury ridden. I mean, look, Trippier probably going. Trippier may be out next week. They had um, Trippier is out next week. He's for sure out. He's suspended because he I got yeah, his true. fifth That's yellow. True. Yeah, you got his fifth yellow. He's for sure out. Um, so Trippier's out, and Callum Wilson was back and Longstaff was back, <coughs> which w- which should help them actually out. Yeah, and I but also I do expect Newcastle will probably play Livermore right back and Lewis Hall left back. So. It's not a terrible back line that I would expect them to roll out. So, but my whole point there is the Newcastle fixture is kind of a question mark. I don't, that game, I don't know. And honestly, I had in my head, like I, like we talked about, Fulham have been scoring goals like crazy and going into this West Ham fixture. I was like, I think me and Luke talked about it a little bit. And I brought up the point where it's like, I really like both these teams are just a big question mark. as Fulham's Scoring goals everywhere. West Ham just came off beating who was it? They beat two weeks ago. Um, keep going. I'll I'll pull it up. Uh, was it? Uh, they beat Tottenham. Yeah, they beat Tottenham, which, which was a really good win for them. It was, but that one even felt a little bit of. Uh, I mean, if we look at the stats from that one, it was pretty even. So I mean, it, it felt fair, but Tottenham felt like they were better for the majority of the match than. Yeah, but the the whole point is that I think that. As an FPL manager, I think it's really difficult to, do you want to ride the wave? Do you think the wave's, wave's about to crash? Do you, like, kind of judging where you are in that, like, area with a team like Fulham at this moment, that are scoring a lot of goals. And to me, I think it's, if you have transfers and, like, let's say you have two transfers rolling in next week, I don't think it's a terrible shout to take a two-week punt on Raul Jimenez. Okay, let's get very specific. Is Jimenez the person that you would recommend going after full before Fulham? I mean, obviously, it's so situationable. And, like, depending on your team. But right now, I mean, realistically, how many great striking options do we have up front and up heel? Well, Holland's a question. So uh, great ones at the moment. I think Solanke should be in there. He's yeah. returned three of the four last game weeks. Um, I think Isak was argued to be in contention for that, but now like I'm not quite Callum sure. Callum Wilson's back, which is the whole thing, you know? Ollie Watkins is definitely a great shout. Um, and maybe Jimenez is up there as well, right? Recently, Cunha has been really good as well. He's returned three of the last four matches, mm-hmm. um, gotten goals. So someone to keep on the radar as well. But there's, I mean, there's some really cheap, nice forward options that enable a lot within teams. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, so yeah. if you look at Jimenez, he had in week 12, he had eight points against Villa. Then he had two against Wolves, two against Liverpool, and then against like, Nottingham Force he had 13. And this week, he had nine against West Ham. I I just think that like, he, like I said, the Newcastle fixture is a big question mark. But y- then you go to Burnley, you pl- they play Burnley at home, then play Bournemouth away, which Bournemouth is in better form. But obviously, we've seen with all these teams that are like mid table to bottom and relegation zone all their forms change so fast it does it dips and changes very quickly and that's that's why i think with these teams we want to see them in good form but also see a good stretch run of fixtures um and that's one thing with fulham that i'm a little worried about right um on the fixture ticker there's some green some red and some gray so it's a little mix it's a mixed bag um but that's up to each manager's tolerance, right? Yeah. Um, so it it's up to in the individual in that situation. I think. Um, yeah, but I would I would for sure. I I think Jimenez, based on the last two weeks, and honestly, he came back from the last um, national team break where he scored for Mexico, I think twice too. So he's in good goal scoring form. He, I mean, he did it for a long time at Wolves, and then he had that really bad injury. So I think it's awesome. As I'm not person that hates on Mexico unless the U.S. is playing them. So I Mm. love to see Mexico, other Mexican team, other players do great from CONCACAF. So It's kind of crazy. If you look at the top goal scorers over the last four game weeks, (laughs) the most goals scored over those four game weeks by one player is three. And you have at the top, Iwobi, Willian, and Jimenez, all with three goals each over the last four fixtures. I think also a second Full mass, it would be Iwobi. I think he's the one to go yeah, for. Yeah, Iwobi is the one. Um, he's the one that I would go for if I was a midfielder. If we're looking at the statistics behind their goals, William is the one who's closest to his XG with the amount of goals he scored. So Jimenez has an XG of 1.68, three goals. Um, sorry, 1.92, 1.92. So he's... He's you know he's good but the closest is William right he's the one who's not vastly overperforming his xg mm-hmm. um and feels maybe a little bit more reliable and we know he's on pins as well so that's a huge reason for bringing him him in um but definitely yeah Fulham is a good team to keep an eye on Paul you've made a good shout in bringing in Anthony Robinson that's what two clean sheets in a row or is that three um so i think that's two in a row but he was actually on my bench last weekend <laughs> okay Paul strikes Ouch. again with points Ouch. on his bench, but this week he got me a clean sheet and he we'll see what happens against um, Newcastle. I honestly I think Fulham will put up a good fight against him. So we'll Yeah, see. it should be an entertaining watch. Um as far as clean sheets go, don't ask me about Paul Torres. <laughs> just just yeah, don't do it. That that one, that one that one's rough. Yeah. Um so I think my second question to you is who do you think is leading The Premier League in expected goals against. So who has the lowest XG conceded over the last four weeks? The last four weeks? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Everton. No, they are currently fifth for XG allowed. Um, The team who is number one. Is it City? It's Arsenal. Arsenal's have been very popular as of late. So they have an XG allowed of 3.9 with five goals allowed. So they've been a little unlucky. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of those Luton goals are just um, very efficient, Luton yeah. were, with the few chances that they got. And if you're Arsenal, there's not too much to be done about that, right? So I think the interesting thing about I think Luton... I don't know what it was. There was some way Arsenal was defending corners where Luton was like, "This is exactly what we're gonna do," and they found something there. I mean, they have some big bodies. And they have big bodies too, um, so. and they they're capable of, especially at home, of taking advantage of those situations that arise for them. And they did a really good job. I mean, they pushed Arsenal to the max. Um, it was just the late, the late um, Rice winner that really kind of you know pushed them forward. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. Th- my other question to you, Paul, who do you think is leading the Premier League in expected goals, individual player? Who do you think is leading over the last four weeks? The last four weeks. Um. Mm, mm, mm. It's not Watkins. No, no, Watkins it's is not, not even it. in the top. It's not Salah. Okay. No, God, no. Salal's not even it's, on the list. It's not Holland. It's probably, are they in the top? Are they in the top 10 teams or top bottom teams in the league? Bottom. Solanke. Yep. Solanke is number one. Um, he has an XG of 3.55 with two goals. And then Holland is second. He has an XG of 2.97 with one goal and one assist. Um, so, another notable mention up here, we have Scott McTominay and DCL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, in the top four. Mm. Um, and Calvert-Lewin has accrued an XG of 2.58 and not scored a goal. <laughs> dude, that's honestly, like, to me, I'm just happy to see him play. Because w- players like that, and, like, dude, it, it fucking sucks. Like, the stuff with Rhys James, too, about how he, like, we talked about this a little bit today when he came off. Mm-hmm. Like, it it just sucks. Like, you know that he is... At at bare minimum, nah, he is a generational talent at right back. I mean, he or for somebody in his age group, he is one of the best right backs in the world, and he could be. Who knows what his ceiling is? But just to see him consistently dealing with this issue issues that he con- constantly has, it's, it's heartbreaking, dude. So, I do like seeing Calvert Lewin, honestly, just so we can talk about him because he's. I I don't know like with injuries where his career could have been or where he could have gone and different things he could have done but like it's just really good to see him play football you know dcl is really interesting because when you listen to people talk about him the talent is really what they speak of right and also people talk talk really highly of him as an individual person as well like just who he is um but his talent it seems like if things went differently, he could be could have moved out of the Premier League after going to a top six club, and be making the move to a Barca, a Real Madrid, yeah, um, an AC Milan, right? Just going to one of the top European clubs in the world, and that's just not quite where his career has gone up to this point. So, hopefully, he keeps this run of health going, yeah. can get in form. Um, get the goals to flow and yeah. really just kind of have that platform to launch that next phase of his career. Um, and as far as Reese James goes, would absolutely love to see him come back after a while. On it, really, what I would prefer, I think, the best thing for him is just take the rest of the season off, don't play, rehab, build up your body strength. But I just think his body is in a weird place for whatever reason, um, and he just needs time to reset, get away from the game for a little bit and. I mean, really, with all his injuries, I wouldn't be shocked to see like, if it happens again, he was like, "I'm, I'm done. I can't do it." Yeah, that's so. I obviously, I think, um, me and Luke come very, very clearly. We just got into football like two, three years ago, maybe a little bit more. But um, we're both kind of new to the sport, so I'd be interested if anybody out there knows of like stories of players ever just like, like Luke said, stepping away for a second half of a season, not even just for like. An injury to be up, but just to stop their body and to let themselves recover. And let's be honest. Chelsea can go out and spend an easy 30 million pounds, buy a new right back. Gusto's really good, but buy someone who they think could be a future talent for them. And then let Reece James either stay, fight for his position to where he's not having to play 90 minutes. And they, they've managed his minutes pretty well but it's just it's really sad to see and hopefully he can you know turn the corner and just have a nice run of form and health it'd be nice to see yeah him. i mean obviously todd Bowley just wants to spend money everywhere because i don't know if you saw luke but they just for the dodgers they just signed um yes otani otani they signed him for 700 million dollars over, over 10, ten years. years that's crazy money which i mean says it's like i mean if he's doing that for baseball I mean, we so this is this is the thing though. Like, let, let's let's play this game. You're at Chelsea. What would you do if I was in their if, position? If you're, if you're Pochettino, and obviously you don't have to talk about us down and everything, but like, how would you go about bringing in talent like that? You know, if I was Pochettino, I think the first thing that I would have done as soon as I got there is try to build out from the back, right? Um, solidity would be important to me so building a defense so having cowell i think cowell should be the building block of their future yeah, in the back dude he's he's going to be good um Reese james and chilwell you can't rely on them so you can't can't factor them into any building or decision making process i think from there i think they have a solid midfield pair in caicedo and enzo they're figuring each other out i don't think they're the best fit um i don't think they just aren't meshing the way that I would like to see them mesh. But that comes with time, I think. And then from there I would build with around Mudrick and around Nkuku. Those are the two pieces there that I think have the most talent and could be the best assets for Chelsea going forward. So it's interesting. You didn't mention Cole Palmer. I didn't mention Cole Palmer because I think he, I see him more in the midfield role and in my opinion, I think he's going to be a really good player for them, but I don't know if he quite has the the established level that they want. Um, he's extremely talented, but I just, I don't know. I'm not quite convinced yet. I So this is a hot take that I'm not like, I'm not saying this, but I think it could be possible. I think Cole Palmer could be what, Arsenal got an Odegaard two or three years ago. I think with if his development continues and if he really takes the reins of this team, he could possibly be like a higher up midfielder that just kind of creates and then like runs onto balls and helps facilitate their attack. I'm really interested to see how Inkoo and Palmer and play I together. I think Inkoo will like will help Palmer so much too. The way that I see it almost is I think ideally, right, if Reese James is healthy, you use Reese James as almost your right winger, right? Kind of what's similar to what City does sometimes, the Kyle Walker. And then you have Mudrick on the left with Cuckoo and Palmer kind of playing those inverted, tucked under a center forward role. And that's why I think they need a center forward, like someone like Ozen- Ozenheim. They're not um, getting him. They're not getting Ozenheim. I don't know, man. We'll see. You know where he's going. Arsenal would be the pre- preferable move for you, I know for a fact, but um, I I'm just not sure. It seems like Chelsea Chelsea are really willing to go into that bidding war um, and drive up the price a lot. But what player wants to go there, honestly, at this point? Like, if you're if you're thi- if you're really thinking about it, and you've seen all the transfers they've made the last two years, and kind of the absolute dumpster fire that Chelsea is at times, it's like. Why would you want to go there and even take a chance, really? It is kind of crazy if you go back and look at Chelsea's depth chart from just two years ago, how much turnover there's been. And there's very few remaining players from then. And to see how successful a lot of the players have been. Yeah, Chelsea. It makes, it makes a huge difference, really. Mm. Um, we spent enough time talking about Chelsea. We have, we have. Um, okay, so my last question to you, right? Mm-hmm. As we kind of highlight some FPL stats here. Who do you think is leading the Premier League in the last four weeks for XA? So expected assist. Hmm. San's gotta be up there pretty high. San is number one. Good shout there. Dude, I'm killing these questions. Um he has an X A of two point eight with three assists. Yeah. Um and two, goal, two goals as well. And that and, and now it's confirmed he's on penalties. You know, we haven't gotten an answer to this, that question. I, I, dude, I didn't realize, but they right? said it today in the broadcast that like this is the first penalty, a penalty since penalty. Harry Kane for Spurs, yeah. which Harry Kane got a fair Nuts. amount of penalties. It's kind of crazy that they had one. I think it's because he put so much pressure on back lines. You know, he did, but and he's so know. good at holding the ball that like it just causes chaos around him. It's just statistically, you feel like you should get a pin between that time and Harry Kane being there. But well, maybe they'll it go on next week. That would be great. Um. Okay. So the other top four within that category, right? We have Trent with an xA of two point one eight, Marcus Tavernier with Bournemouth from an xA of two point zero five, Martin Martin Odegaard with an xA of one point nine six, and Pereira with an xA of one point nine five. Um, Surprise, Pereira is not higher. Yeah, it's just because because he had that three-assist week, right? But his assist um, vastly outperformed their expectacles. Yeah. right? So that's just why his xA is lower. Um, so some interesting names in there that we might not expect. Um, Trent though, yeah. he's got one assist. So he's underperforming his XA, but vastly overperforming, overperforming his XG. So if you're an owner who managed to get in on those two goals from Trent, big congratulations. Um, that it's very helpful for your team, especially with everyone struggling so much to get clean sheets right now. And, you know, there's not very many defenders I really who were making a big difference on the attacking front dude it's crazy it's, it's honestly like i feel like fpl at the moment is kind of like a barren wasteland with like with especially midfielders i think there's a plethora of midfielders there's a lot of different options out there for people but for forwards and defenders it's like i mean especially with the lack of clean sheets if you think about it i think Salah's return this week skyrocketed the average. Otherwise, this would have been e- even lower scoring week than, I think, what was it, like game week 12 or 13? One of those was really low scoring. This one might have even been lower, in my opinion. Mhm. I mean, especially all the people that put their captaincy on Holland and then mm-hmm. Sala. I I legitimately, I can tell you, I did not think about it. I know that's a big discussion on Twitter right now, and people saying who, like, I think there was I don't I don't remember but um, the whole point is that like I think vice captain something that I haven't ever really thought too much about and it's like whenever we whenever you do it over thirty eight weeks there's gonna be a couple weeks that do matter so yeah I do usually try to um, mess around my vice captain as well as soon as I do my captaincy for the week and this week I just didn't have anyone that I really knew to put my vice captain on so I went with Phil Foden. Mm-hmm. um i assumed you know if holland's not there Foden would be in good positions he was just didn't capitalize on them this week <laughs> we thought he we thought Foden scored on that bernardo silva goal because yeah. of like so much like a Foden goal yeah that would have been nice but yeah. unfortunately didn't happen this week um there's always next week yeah let's um there's always next week right so let's maybe take a little break here paul um, and we'll talk a little bit more about next week and what to expect, um, but we'll be real short and um, take a little break before we do that. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, so today we've just been throwing some questions around and um, Luke's been asking me a lot of things, so I think we're going to reverse roles and I'm going to ask him a question real quick. You go for it. Ask away, ask away sir. Um, what do you think about Erling Holland right now, Luke? Do you think he it's possible to have an FPL team without him now? I think if you are bringing Holland out of your team next week, you should be bringing him out with a plan to bring him back in. Okay, let's um, let me see. let's see. talk about their run of fixtures. Okay, first, just so people are aware, after the match against Luton Town, Pep said on Holland, he said, it's not a fracture, just a stress on the bone. Hopefully, he can be ready against Crystal Palace, which is on Saturday next weekend. If not, then hopefully ready for Saudi Arabia. Um, And that is referring to the Club World Cup that um, they're going to go play. And Guardiola also had this to say about Holland. He said the day after Villa he could almost not walk properly. Yesterday I spoke to him saying I feel much better. I can walk and I have no pain. That's why they have to check on him day to day because he's improving as time goes on, but they're not sure what that timeline is going to be yet. It sounds like it's very short term, but we're not sure if he's going to play against Crystal Palace on Saturday. Okay. um, So, real quick, just so everybody knows, they play Palace in match week 17, have a blank in 18, and they play Everton in 19 away, and they play Sheffield at home in 20, and then that kind of takes us to their festive fixtures. So, over the next four, I'd say it's relatively a good run, but the big, I think the big thing, too, like, that City has to be careful about is that when... I don't know if people remember, but whenever Holland was at Dortmund, he had a lot of injury issues. So it's in a year like this where I think City's kind of struggling. They're trying to figure out who they are. I think there may be a rush to get him back to have him on the pitch. And it sounds like it sounds like Pep is taking it seriously from what you said, where he's like, "We don't want to like push it," you know. I think this is also them trying to just give him a little bit of a rest midseason yeah. as well, right? He if they were playing Arsenal. I would wager he would probably would have been playing today, right? It just It's kind of how it felt um, from an outside-in perspective. But I also do think, though, that Holland is someone who could really hurt your overall rank, right? If you miss out, say he plays on City, you transfer him out. And take a negative four to get Holland out of your team, that is a decision that's gonna come back to haunt you, right? Yeah, it's very risky. Um, and that's why we want to be very attentive to what Hall what Pep is gonna say in his um, in his midweek press conference where they're getting ready for their um, Champions League fixture, and then also next Friday, right before they play Crystal Palace. Um, so hold those transfers, disregard the price rises unless you just have to do something and make a change to your team. But for now, we would highly recommend that, at least my personal opinion, I would say hold on to Holland. And unless we get confirmation he's not playing, I would just keep him in the team. Yeah, so another thing too, Luke, I was just, whenever we were talking about this over the break, I was playing around with like, if I took out (laughs) Holland, what would I end up with? And of course, naturally... Without there being many other premiums out there, you kinda fall t- towards Salah, who we have I think he's leaving what what week is it? Like match week twenty or twenty one? Mid January. So um. yeah, so that's probably like so mid January, um so probably like January twenty first is match week twenty one when they play Bournemouth for Liverpool. So I mean so he's gonna be gone for a while during AFCON. So that's something to be aware of where if you bring in Holland and you don't have a wild card left you could be in a really bad spot. Yeah. So no just taking all the variables, be very but careful. Another way to look at this as well, right? If say you take Holland out now and say, I'm going to weather the storm and you keep Salah up until 21 when he's going to be gone, that's easy to pivot from Salah to Holland. No, you can, you can, you can. Um, but, but most importantly, right, if you are going to take him out, as we said, make sure you have a plan to get him back in because the the cost could wreck your team right you don't want to be taking a negative four just to get him back in and making mm-hmm. you know rotating three possessions. um that's that's very difficult so have an idea of what you're going to do and map it out in yeah. the long term yeah completely agree but um like we said it's very risky but it's also situationally depending on your team and how you want to play fpl yeah so yeah, it's it all up is. to you you know it's it you have the keys to your own success or failure <laughs> or failure <laughs> for some people <laughs> or failure. It's both, you know, <laughs> it is, it is. Um, I think that's going to bring us to the end of this podcast though. Paul, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners out there? Um, like we talked about the last couple of weeks, um, chips wild card has to be used by 19. Um, so it can be used pre game week 20 as well. Yeah. So, so like, I mean, it, like it goes up 19 into 20. Yeah, so right. the deadline is right after game week twenty. Yeah. Um, so you can use it for night between game weeks nineteen and twenty is the time that you can use it. Okay. Yeah, but just um, just be aware of those. You want to make sure you use use that because honestly, it's pretty wasted if you don't. Realistically. Yeah. Yep. You want to be very strategic in the use of that chip because it's going to set you up for the next five to ten fixtures upcoming. Yeah, so really, really playing that bad boy out. And you know we got to make the most of them with the upcoming changes and fixtures. So yeah, yeah. But um, I you think have any closing thoughts. Luke? Uh, my closing thoughts. Um, you know, FPL we play for fun, and it's always good to. <laughs> this is a rich. It's always good to focus on the positives and try to you know not the negatives. Focus. Don't focus on the negatives. I'm rambling here, and <laughs> he it's is, not he is good. Self therapizing himself. I'm trying. <laughs> Ultimately, he needs needs to. I'm telling you, FPL is for fun. Just try to enjoy as much as you can. Um, And that's my closing thought for the week. Thanks for joining us, guys. And we'll be back with you next week. Yeah, just so everybody knows, I'm going to cut that clip and I'm going to send it to Luke every morning before he wakes up, before he goes to bed. I would love that. It would be a nice little ray of sunshine every morning. Just so he remembers that. That'll be my Uh, alarm clock. (laughs) Yeah, everybody, thanks for spending time with us. Um, We appreciate everything and we will see you soon. Bye, (laughs) everyone.